Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. My name is Mary McDermott, and I was born and raised just north of New York City, but we always had a little tiny summer house near the Jersey Shore, so I learned how to body surf and became one of the first female ocean lifeguards on the Jersey Shore. So all of my friends were guys in the ocean, and that's how I ended up on Christmas Eve 1998 with a near-death experience. That morning, my mother uh, didn't want me in the house. She Now we know the term narcissist, but she was a narcissist, as well as my older brother and my older sister. My father worked in New York City. He was never home, and when he was home, he drank. So I didn't have any family support. Yeah, I was suicidal during the Christmas season, and it had been building up for quite some time. I had been bullied in grammar school. I was raped of my virginity. My family life was not great, and I was working hard, but I just wasn't happy. So I kind of had a careless, little bit of a reckless spirit and restless soul to me on that Christmas day when my mother didn't want me in the house. And she didn't want me in the house on Christmas Eve day. So she said, just get out and come back at five o'clock for church. So I had nowhere to go. Everybody was with their families, baking cookies, doing things. And I went over to my friend's house, who was a surfer and a lifeguard. And he was an alcoholic and unsupportive and unreliable, just like everything I was used to in my family life. And he wasn't home. But the big house was for surfers and body surfers and boogie boarders. There was a lot of equipment there, a lot of people coming in and out faces I knew from years down the shore and there was one face I didn't know and I had asked him about it about this guy I said who is this guy Tom he's been kind of hanging around our group I don't know who he is where did he come from and John said he used to be a part of our group but he moved away and now he's back and he's a good guy so I said okay I just want to know because we are all in the water together we keep eyes out for each other I just didn't know who he was so Christmas Eve day, I went over to John's house and who was there but Tom. There was nothing in the refrigerator. The fireplace didn't work. It was a typical surfer house. Um, and I said, I have to go. I have to stay out of my house until five o'clock. I said, I'm going to take a drive down to South Jersey. You know, if you want to go, you can go. If not, I'm going anyway. And he said, yeah, I'll go. So I said, okay, fine. So beautiful scenery all the way down, ice cold, gray skies, deserted, just a straight drive all the way down south. We got down there around four o'clock. 
the stores were closed, we stepped out a little bit to stretch our legs, looked in some art shops and some surf stores. We were just trying to get a good breath of fresh air before we turned around and came home when I realized I needed gas. And the problem with that was it was Christmas Eve day and a lot of the gas stations were closed. So I did happen to find one that was open and I pulled in just as the guy was turning out the light. And I said to the man, I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I said, can we just get, here's $10. I said, I just need gas to get home. I said, we'll be quick. And right after that, you can go, you can leave and shut up the shop, which is exactly what happened. I got the $10 worth of gas. I ran to the ladies room. But when I came back, Tom was in the driver's seat. I said to him, I said, Tom, you, you're not, you can't drive because he told me he didn't have a license. And he had also finished in that short amount of time, a half a bottle of whiskey that I had as a Christmas present in the back in the trunk. So I looked at a payphone. I wanted to call home. I didn't want to get in the car with him. And my instincts were nobody's going to come and get me. You know, they're not going to drive all this way. If I can just get home, I'll never see him again. And that'll be the end of it. So I got in. And I know from the ocean life, sun rises in the east, sets in the west. And if we wanted to go back north, we had to turn around. He sped off going more south and then into the sun, what was left of the sun, into the west. And I knew we were getting further and further away from home. Uh, he was speeding, he was driving erratically, and I found out later he was a diagnosed schizophrenic who was on lithium, had been on lithium, but had stopped taking it. So that combined with the alcohol just really gave him an otherworldly personality. So he turned the radio up really, really loud, and I turned it down, and I said, look, I said, we kind of have to concentrate. I said, there might be a road back home. That was when he hit me for the first time. He backhanded me, and he had a big paw. For a surfer guy, he was not your typical lanky guy. He stood out in so many different ways from our usual crew. You know, he was big, he had blonde hair, you know, the blue eyes, but he was just like a beefy kind of a guy, which you wouldn't particularly think would be a surfer. So when he hit me, I had... um been raped of my virginity at 14 and the guy had covered my mouth so I was kind of used to being in a scary situation but I had never been physically assaulted before so this split my lip and the blood ran down my shirt it was hot and it was wet and I said to myself I said you know all right don't say anything else let's just see keep your eyes on the road let's see if we can get this car turned around and him calm down enough to get me home we were stopped by a police officer and I asked directions. I said, we're just trying to get home. And the officer said, if the next little turn right there, we'll get you back on the parkway. So I said, thanks so much. I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything about my lip or the fact that Tom had been drinking. Again, I just wanted to get the night over with. But again, as soon as the cop pulled away, he went further south and into the woods. We took a right turn into a cul-de-sac, and I didn't realize that he was looking for a place to kill me. And we pulled into the cul-de-sac, and the first miracle happened. There were All these surfer guys were construction when there were no waves, so I knew what the crew was doing. I just knew that they should not really have been out on Christmas Eve day. It's freezing. It's cold. It's dark. They had the floodlights. You know, homeowners are going to wait until the holidays are over. There wasn't an emergency situation. So to see a crew with their trucks, with their lights and their hammers working hard on Christmas Eve just didn't really quite add up. So that was the first place he pulled over to try to kill me, and he pulled out. And I kept thinking, okay, if we can just head north, I'll be fine. 
And that never happened. There was a road blockage sign that said, road is under construction, do not go any further. It was a sawhorse. And uh, he went around it. And he drove as fast as he could. And he stopped short on the side of the road. And I had had a dream two nights prior. And the message was, lock the door. And I had locked the door of my apartment. And I thought, that's a funny message. The door is locked. But the dream meant the car door. So he jammed it into break into park and got out and ran around the front of the car and I could see the lights the headlights on his jeans what is going on is he going to the bathroom I didn't know what he was going to do but he ended up flinging the car door open on my side coming in kneeling on my stomach and he hit me so many times I just saw a little blue light after every hit and I said to myself I said if I can keep my eyes open after every hit I know I'm still alive I'm still breathing and as long as I see that light, open my eyes after it, I said, I'll, I'll be okay. And the light was from the impact. And he wasn't satisfied the fact that I was still opening my eyes. And he grabbed half of the hair on my head and twisted my trachea. I heard it crack. I heard it turn on itself. And he said, I'm going to kill you and throw you in the ravine. And I was using a little bit of psychology. I said, no, no. I said, whatever I can do to help you. You want to get home. You want to take the car. It didn't matter. And it was on one of those blows that I came out of my body. And I saw the scene from across the road. And I was perfectly at peace. I was undisturbed. I was like a, watching what was happening. And I saw my body on the side of the road. And he was standing over it. And I had had a red coat on him. My arm was at a funny angle and my face was turned away from the road. And I was dead. And I remember thinking, um, I was okay where I was. Um, and I, I just felt, I guess I was at peace in a very strange way. But my thoughts before that had been, I'm never going to see my mother again, and nobody's ever going to find my body. And when I was out of my body, it was truly not me. I realized that truly is just who we are on the outside, but there's a part of us that is untouchable and eternal and goes on forever and is perfectly perfect. And with that, I was brought back into my body and two car lights came out of the distance at the other direction. And they also had gone around the road closed sign, but on the other side of this road. And there were two boys coming back from an AA meeting who wanted to find the darkest road they could find in town to see the lights, they, to stars. They thought maybe they could see the star of Bethlehem. And it startled him enough to get off of me. And I ran out of the car and stood in the road and I put my hands over my head and I said at least if they hit me they'll know who I am eventually and they'll find my body and that'll be a better ending than being beaten to death the car went around me and I he had knocked off my glasses so I saw the red taillights so I started to run and then I could hear Tom running after me as I was running after the car and eventually they pulled over and I slammed on the car window I said you know let me in let me in and the passenger did and I jumped on his lap and they closed the door and I thought oh my god now I'm in more trouble because now there's two guys here they had leather jackets piercings 
there were metal gadgets in the car. I was scared and they were not saying very much. And I said to myself, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to open up the car door again and I'm going to jump out. And just as I was about to do that, I saw a cross hanging from the rearview mirror and it seemed to be lighting up in the dark. And the one of them said to the other one, are you going to tell her who we are? And the passenger, the guy I was sitting on, he said, we're earth angels. We've done this before. And you're going to go on to do this for someone else. So they drove me to their house um, so I could use the phone to call home and let my mother know what had happened. And the house I went into, it seemed like a movie set. It was just like the front of it. And yes, I entered it, but I, I, I saw a scene from my future life in that house. There was a fireplace. There was a nice man in front of it. And the lady was making cookies. And years later, that would be me making cookies, my husband on the couch and the fireplace. And when I was in there to that house, I said, this is a scene that will happen to me in the future. And I was right. Earth Angels, I went on to save the life of a teacher in my school as I became a school nurse and she said she floated over the building and saw me working on her and three towns responded to the distress call the 911 call I was the one who performed the CPR and she actually made an a full recovery I was back teaching they said was miraculous so what they said came true they saved me and I went on to save someone else eventually Tom was arrested by the Fort Dix police and I was called back after getting home to sign a statement. So I never made it home for church. I almost never made it home alive. And then when I did get home, it was four o'clock Christmas morning. And I was a translator in New York City and I lived in Japan and LA. And after this experience, I went to school to become a nurse. And I work now with very, very, very poor children offering health care not only to them, but to their families and to the community. And I couldn't be happier with the way my life has turned out since then.